crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. Sometimes you find growth in a forgotten category. That's what ThreadUp has done. They've taken the world of secondhand clothing and reinvented it. We're going to talk about how you reinvent a category and how you just do great e-commerce marketing today with Anthony Marino, who is CMO here at ThreadUp. Let's dive into our conversation with Anthony. I'm Kit Bodner, and this is The Growth Show. So you have to get people to come to the site and buy stuff, but you also need to change their perception about shopping and like what shopping is. And think about people listening to our show. They're trying to do the same thing for something else, right? Some yeah. other business, some other service, product category, right? So how have you done it? How's it working here? Like, what do you what do you do to actually make that happen? One thing, I, I think if you walk down the street and you stop your average female walking by and you ask her if she knows where her local consignment store is, she usually does. Yeah. So I agree with that. ThreadUp didn't reinvent or create the idea of buying great clothes that are secondhand. People have been doing that for a very, very long time. What we did is we just made it very easy to do and we put it all online. So I think we had the benefit of an established behavior as far as the acceptance of how good the quality can be. The challenge we had is that that same woman who you asked if she's been to a consignment store lately would tell you that when she went in, she got to touch and feel it. She got to look at it. She knew what size it was. She could see how big or small or whatever it was, She could see if it was phenomenal or if it was junky. She could smell it because she doesn't want anything smelly. Who does? And so (laughs) so I think part of our challenge with the business was constantly throughout the customer experience putting secondhand clothing in a in a new light online and a lot of that is just everything from great product photography some of it really is e-commerce basics but doing it at a scale for secondhand clothing that again that comes out of a bag and doesn't come on a hanger from Mm. the manufacturer so it's great photography it's product attributing it's the look and feel of the site that's always fresh and colorful and has a brightness to it overall. So that's how we kind of build these layers around the secondhand experience that we hope transforms the perception of it in in our customers' minds. How does inventory management work in a world where, you know, you're not manufacturing stuff and then selling it, you're just, you don't know what you're getting, right? You're getting inventory that's kind of unpredictable in a lot of ways. Yeah, so exactly. So every day we get many, many, many thousands of green polka dotted bags that our customers sent to us and you open up the bag and it's like, surprise, you know, <laughs> right, what's what's in there? Is it a bag full of uh, Prada purses or is it a bag full of something else? And so what the business has sort of figured out over time is that actually we can, with a reasonable amount of confidence, predict what's coming from us. Some of that is made more simple by the fact that we have a lot of repeat sellers. So people who have ordered a clean out bag and sent items to us tend to do it over and over and over again. Once you've sent us a bag and we understand the brands you like and the sizes you like, we can get a handle on what might be coming next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so what I think is interesting is that when I think about you and your background for people who are just tuning in this first time they've ever learned about you, it's like you're a virgin, like a very different but similar brand all at the same time. Like before this, how did that experience inform 
what you're doing here. It's amazing. Sometimes I can't believe um, <laughs> that they ever hired me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't come to to thread up as an e-commerce expert. Although I, I should had say to, you're highly qualified. Well, you're, like, well, you're like a Rhodes Scholar. I've had, Harvard Business School. I've had, like, you're a pretty smart. But turns human. out, turns you can out, figure out e-commerce that, if you're it, smart. It, it, it turns out none of that helps you with e-commerce, though, because e-commerce <laughs> is just a brutal business. Um, I just it, – it really is – it's just hard, right? It's really we, hard. we always joke there are much easier ways out there to get rich. We pick the hardest one, <laughs> and it's and it may not work out, you know, So, but but we have a lot of fun doing it. But I think – yeah, so I didn't I didn't come at this as an acquisition or retention marketer. I came at it as a, as a person who'd always been around startups, who'd always been around growth companies – whether it was in at, at Bell Labs and venture capital or when I worked at Virgin. But I think that the real connection, I think, for me and ThreadUp was when I, when I met the team and learned about what they were doing, it really was – it was like they ripped out a page of the of the Richard Branson Virgin playbook. I really? Mean, Why? They because they were really reinventing a category in mm-hmm. industry that had sort of been left for dead, you know. And Virgin had done that many times with telecom, with airlines, with trains, with yeah. banks, and they'd identified this sort of large existing industry that didn't really have anything kind of aspirational or bright or happy or satisfying or energetic or wonderful about it. I mean, it was just used clothes. But turns out there was a tremendous amount of value there for people who wanted to buy great things and for mm-hmm. people who wanted to get rid of things they were no longer using. So when I met the team, uh, there was a real connection around how to build the business. And it, was, it wasn't just, hey, let's create a, a great brand and everything will, everything will work out. <laughs> sure. it, was, it was initially, because that definitely isn't the way Richard does it, Richard Branson. It was, hey, how do we make sure that the economics of this business works? And then how do we use the economic leverage of a, of a great business to transform how people think about secondhand clothing and the role of secondhand clothing brand like ours can play in their life? So I think for me, it was kind of like, wow, a lot of the things that I'd worked on in my past had sort of come together in a business and at a business at an early stage where the management team here could sort of all lock arms and move forward together. And that was just a really exciting challenge. And I've had to learn a lot about e-commerce in the process. <laughs> Fortunately, everything you learn e-commerce sort of expires after six months so you can you can get as long as you can sort of learn fast of uh, being new to it is uh, tell me more can well, be okay. why, why is that why, why does e-com change so much it's you know it's it's an industry it's a business where you're trying to acquire customers at high volume at high scale at low cost um, at low cost you know in a scalable way and it turns out that the things that you that work for you through the early stages of your growth aren't things that work later on and it turns out that you know you have to just constantly figure out how to scale, how to move on, how to change your message, how to learn new platforms, how to deal with mobile, how to really nail the retention side of the business because it's, it's really essential to survival. And any e-commerce business that your customer, they make a first purchase, you've got to get them to come back to make the second purchase. Otherwise, there's just no way to survive. And so, and so I think it just in e-commerce in general, you have to be a systems thinker. You have to work with your ops team, with your product team, to really deliver an experience because no one function in an e-commerce company can sort of make it go. You have to kind of nail it all around. You have to get, you have to get just about get everything right. Um, <laughs> and and just, just when you do that is when the business, you know, really takes off. Is there any channel or tactic or anything that surprised you and like it's an effectiveness for e-com like there are a bunch of people out there trying to think about e-com for whole other different verticals is there anything that's like surprised you in learning this stuff i think maybe it isn't so much surprise but i would say that i think if you're an e-commerce marketer to be diverse 
and the channels that you use to acquire customers. That's yeah. one thing I think. And by the way, that's hard to do because Super it's to because do. it's it's very attractive to go deep and become an expert mm -hmm. in search or social or take your pick. You know, as a, as a team, you're going to gravitate towards wanting to memorialize a playbook mm -hmm. and then execute on the playbook. And I think it's okay to have a quarter, two, maybe three quarters when you do that. But I think it's one of my jobs as CMO to constantly find new frontiers for us. And that doesn't just mean new new ways to spend money. It's new ways to tell our story. It's new sort of unique sets of activities that where we're filling a need for our customers that we may not know they had. Mm -hmm. So I think you're trying to find leverage in, in lots of different places. And it's not just about, do we evolve off of Facebook towards Pinterest or search or YouTube? Sure. Or I think you're trying to find ways that fundamentally, how do we get our customers to talk more about what we're doing. It goes back to how do we make people really happy and proud to be part of the ThreadUp community and get them to talk about it. And that's really hard to do. People are dealing with a lot of inputs on a daily basis. Yeah. And so you have to figure out a way to kind of weave yourself into their life. And that's not an overnight or even a quarter by quarter. That's a year over years it's a hard Goal. thing. It's a hard thing. Like, and, and how do you know when it's happening? Like, how do you all think about measuring that? Everybody cares a lot about awareness, word of mouth, like the, some of the underlying principles there. It's like, how do you know if you're doing a good job? Yeah, we, ha we have a rule as a, t as a marketing team at ThreadUp. It's sort of hashtag no more averages. So, <laughs> so we don't look at any one thing and judge it. We try to really break everything up into its constituent parts, whether it's a, a channel of acquisition, whether it's a, a customer segment, whether it's an audience on Facebook, a set of keywords, like we really try to break everything down into lots of different pieces because averages can mask a lot. So we do <laughs> we do measure a lot and we're always trying to measure and understand more without kind of paralyzing ourselves. <laughs> I think another thing that I think is just good for marketers to remind themselves, I remind myself of it all the time, is you can always grow. You can always grow faster but the question is, is just can you grow efficiently? Efficient and, growth is freaking hard. Yeah, and how and what's your pain tolerance and which, what are your shareholders' pain tolerance and what's right for the business? I mean, I think there's some businesses that have immediate and rapid adoption and people get it and they understand it and it can it, they can grow very efficiently at, in a short amount of time. There's businesses that may take time. I remember back in... 1999 when I got my first email from PayPal and it said, hey, we just put $25 in your account. And that was in 1999. And I know that I was like one of many millions of users who got that and they were like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, or, how does this even work? Or you spent, yeah, or you spent the 25 bucks and then you were done and you didn't go back to PayPal till 2015 when it was on your phone. Yeah. So I think, and now it's all obvious to everyone that that payments are such an, such an important area. So I think there are businesses that sort of take time to work their way into mass market adoption. And I think a thread up, our philosophy is, is that we're in it for the long term. And that if we have to slow things down in a given quarter to feel better about it and to be efficient, we'll do that. And when we see opportunities, we speed them up. Sometimes part of what I think I'm doing is I'm sitting on a trading desk where some days I'm <laughs> buying and analogy. some days I'm selling and some days I'm holding. And I think as an acquisition marketer, it's a great amount of flexibility to have. But to do that, you have to have great information about your customers and the ones you're acquiring. And you have to have great a great team around you who can help execute. Okay. So one other word you use yeah. uh, is you've used the word team several times since I yeah. imagine 
you've had to hire your share of marketers over over time. Yeah. How, how do you find an interview and assess somebody's marketing talent? We're a bunch of people listening who are either getting ready to hire their first marketer or trying to scale a team. Like, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. So it's really hard. Uh, if you were, <laughs> if you if you were, had asked me the question, what's the biggest challenge you have right now? It's hiring. You know, great people. Absolutely. There's nothing easy about that. I think, I think there's a couple different rules of thumb. Uh, you know, I'm learning every day, but I mean, at, at this moment, there's a couple different rules of thumb. The first thing that I really believe is that there's sort of no substitute for for passion and hunger. So I think <laughs> at all levels of the company, whether it's a senior director, VP level, or a, an, an analyst or a manager role, someone who comes in who has maybe less experience, but a real drive and a curiosity about what you're doing is sort of infinitely trainable and could be immensely valuable to the company. And I think sometimes when you're in the heat of battle, and I was I was like this about three weeks ago when there was a hire I'm looking to fill, and I'm, I had this vision in my head for sort of the perfect mm -hmm. unicorn. And I said I had to figure it out over the past couple weeks. And you know what? I'm really just looking for somebody who's a who's a fantastic human being, who has energy and smarts and who can learn with us because it's, I think it's, it's really strange. It's it's unrealistic if you expect someone to come in with answers. You're looking for somebody to come in and like put a hand on the oar and kind of just pull really hard with you. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing is I really try to identify like those just human elements of yeah. of curiosity. That and look, I think there's nothing magical or new about that idea. I think the second thing is is I'm really I'm not a big fan of consensus hiring. So mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of having someone come in and ten people interview them and then I say to them, Hey it, would you think? And mm -hmm. you know, and if everybody says they like them, we hire them. I'm a big fan of having a very small number of people interview someone and having their direct manager have to be the one that's it's more of a conviction hire. They the direct manager has to say that person's fantastic. I'm hiring them unless somebody really has a very, very serious objection. Because I think it's really dangerous in a growing company when people start to outsource their judgment on people. Yeah. Like I think managers, part of their job should be they hire great people. If they can't hire great people, they've got to get better at it or move on. I think it's a really important skill in any organization that management and leadership has conviction behind the people they hire. It has conviction about training them and improving them if that needs to happen and then sort of making them work as part of the organization. As, as somebody who's like in the middle of a lot of hiring right now, those are the two things that come to the top of mind. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we have a question we often ask, which is like, would we be sad if this person didn't work here? This person's so great that we feel like we would miss out on an opportunity to learn from them, to work with them, to have their contributions like help solve the dent in the universe we're trying to make. And it's a hard balance yeah, Net to hit. Netflix, who's famous for their, yeah. their culture. We talked to Patty McCord, who ran HR okay. there forever okay, on so past that, episodes so of the that's, show. So that's great. Shout out to that. You should go listen to that if you're listening I here. will. That's great background for your listeners. And I've seen her deck, you know, the, the yep. famous deck she put together and Absolutely. the keeper test. And so that's something that we institute here at ThreadUp, you know, to your point, if that person came in and they said, hey, I'm leaving, like, would you do everything in your power to keep them? Yeah. And if you if you wouldn't, then you have to, you know, you have to think about why. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In kind of finishing up, we're, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately. But what I'd love to hear a little bit more about in closing is your advice to other marketing leaders and entrepreneurs who are out there trying to prioritize their marketing strategy. They're, they're in a high growth company. They're trying to be like, how do I think about acquisition versus brand and all this stuff? What's your guidance for them? What's your advice in terms of how they should think about prioritizing their marketing strategy? Ooh, okay. It's um, a tough one. Yeah. Uh, and my, my answer, I think, would change on that 
every it's day, a, so I, I wanted to hear yours. So, so it's a broad one. I think I would go into a room uh, with a whiteboard, and I would sort of draw a line on the on the whiteboard, like a horizontal line. I would write low risk on one side of the line and high risk mm-hmm. on the other side of the line. Then I would draw a vertical line with a high and a low, mm-hmm. and I would try to identify those marketing tactics, whether they're acquisition tactics, retention tactics yeah. that are low risk versus high risk and low volume versus high volume because volume matters, right? There's plenty of yeah, there's plenty game. of conservative low risk things you can do that'll deliver you two customers a day. But if you <laughs> want millions of customers, scale always matters. And so the first thing I would do would be try to sort of map out where you think your business is today mm-hmm. on that spectrum of low volume to high volume, low risk to high risk, and then decide where you think you want to be in a quarter or two quarters or a year and really ask yourself, do we have the people and the process and the money and the organization and the know-how to get there? Because what I've found at ThreadUp as we've scaled significantly over the past three plus years is that I can't do anything successful without amazing execution by the engineering team, product team, the creative team. I think you have to think really across the business Mm -hmm. and make sure that you've got everybody on the program, that you've got the right know-how and I think, I think that's a great starting point to prioritize yeah, your activities because the things that you spend, if you're not spending your days moving towards the f- kind of future state, then you're, you're going backwards. You yeah, know? You're dying. Um, yeah, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. <laughs> those are the only two outcomes, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's right. The, that's right. A friend once told me, you know, flat is down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. like if, if it's flat, it's it's actually down. There's 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 up and there's death, and that's yeah. just about it. And I think that's the business that we're all in. It's it's a hard one, especially on the e-commerce side. But it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, we'd be bored otherwise. Yeah. Anthony, it was awesome to chat with yeah, you. Thanks, thanks for Kevin. coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Great to see you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening to our show. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on iTunes.